Alright, well, welcome everyone to Conjecture Darkly. I'm your host, Jeremy Hunt, and with me as always is my co-host, Teddy Hart. Hi, everybody. And uh, today we are really excited to be joined by our good friend and guest, Aaron Pillow. What's up? I'm happy to be here. Dude, we are so excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. A uh, lot of fun. <laughs> if, it's actually, if it's actually not a lot of fun, I quit. I'm quitting. Okay. <laughs> three episodes in. We made it three episodes. It's a record. Can I say something? Can I say two things about this? First of all, Go I'm really it. happy to be here. I uh, host the podcast. I'm not going to plug it, but I'm never, I never get to be a guest. I never get to be a guest. So this is like really fun. I get to kind of just like come in and watch. And the other thing I would say is this is dope. Like this is a fun, this is a fun space. I know what we did green zone the first episode. I can't remember. I know we've had conversations about different movies, um, but this is fun. I'm excited to be here with both of you guys. Hey, and I'll plug your podcast. It's this week disassembled, right? I don't know. I don't know. It'll, it'll change next week. It's had three names at this point. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, we'll put some links in once you have it figured out, so that people can find it. Uh, so, Aaron, Aaron, why don't you, why don't you give Aaron just why don't you give everybody a, an idea of who you are, yeah. and then uh, end with your your bit about where you're from. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I am currently a grad school student. Uh, I consider myself a, a blurred for this conversation. You know, black nerd. I really like comments. <laughs> Comics. I'm a. Uh, I'm originally from New York, baby. <laughs> New York and nowhere. BX, BK all day. I grew up in Charlotte, um, Charlotte area, Fort Mill. Really went to school down there. Uh, worked in television for a little bit, and then uh, decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Moved out to California, where I was living with Teddy and Crystal and the family for about a year and a half. And now I'm at San Diego, getting a, my master's of peace and justice at the University of San Diego. Perfect. I mean, every bit of that sounds impressive. So I'm already like, <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, yeah. If you asked me to introduce myself, it would it would be like a out of one to Aaron, it would be like a three. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So for this episode, we decided we wanted to focus on uh, Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League, which I guess officially is just Zack Snyder's justice league yeah. uh which is kind of a mouthful but it also works because the film itself is four hours and something minutes long yeah it's a it's a long it's a long trip mm -hmm. and um actually it's a long trip in a lot of ways because for as you guys know and i guess i should also say this i think we've established this before on the first two episodes but this is going to be like full-on spoilers if you haven't watched the new cut Stop now, go find it, then come back. Yeah, because we're going to be talking about everything under the sun about this movie. We are not holding back for you. No. At all. You've no. had enough time. I mean, I know we're like on the back end of a pandemic. You know, I want to like, you know, acknowledge any privilege, whatever. I got to get that out of the way. But, but it's on HBO Max at this point. You don't even yeah. have to go to the movie theater. It's true. So thought what we could do is start off with sort of where each of us is coming from with the superhero genre in general. And then we can dive into the specifics of this one just to kind of set the table. Cause everybody, these conversations can be so tricky weirdly because in my mind, I mean, if you had told me as a kid that I'd be at a point in my life where I would not, not only have regular superhero movies, but I would have DC movies, Marvel movies, dark horse comics, movies, uh, 
probably other ones that I'm completely forgetting about. I mean, even stuff like uh, Road to Perdition, which is technically a graphic novel-based film. If you had told me when I was, you know, six or seven, that there would be a day when we would have that, but not only have that, but we would have nerds fighting constantly about it rather than actually celebrating all of it, I... I don't, I probably would have looked at you like you had a third eye coming out of your forehead. Um, so just to set the table, let's just talk real quickly about where each of us is coming from in terms of the genre itself. Um, you know, maybe if we have a top film that kind of for us, you know, exemplifies this genre, uh, and then we can get to, into the specifics of Zack Snyder, his cut, and just everything that this movie is about. So, uh, Aaron, your guest, if you want to, if you want to lead us off and then Teddy and. Yeah, I appreciate it. I am i I'm a full on nerd in this space. Uh, I have seen every Marvel film, watched every Marvel show on Disney plus. I have sadly seen every DC film, including justice league twice now. So I think you understand sort of my position there. I like to go into the world and, uh, I love DC animated films. Like I just like it all. But if I had to go like my favorite movie in sort of this space, um, I think the, let's knock out the obvious. I think the dark Knight is the greatest sort of uh, comic book movie that's ever come out. I think it's sense of realism, whatever. I don't have to defend LeBron James. I don't have to do that. (laughs) Uh, I would say my personal favorite ever is, um, is Logan. I think Logan is, so amazing and i think it 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 works so well as like a film as a drama it doesn't really feel like it fits in the genre at time and i forgot who directed it he did a walk the line but um i i just thought it was such a really good script it was a really good send-off and i think it treated wolverine really well and the cool like uh if you have the blu-ray or dvd version there's like a noir version that's like really dope so for me that's my personal favorite and i think right behind that man you know it's got to be you know shout out to black panther and wakanda you know i just think what it did for the culture within you know like black america seeing like black faces was really dope i think ryan coogler has a really cool vision i think what it did for the marvel universe was add this really cool sense of like coolness like everything from how it was shot to like you know outside of the language and the culture like the aesthetics of how the film was shot i thought was so well done so for me those are the top three um and i would probably say up there with it like you know if i had to put anything in any order it would be there too would be a uh, spider-man into the universe into the spider-verse mm-hmm. Um, the animated film is phenomenal. It has a great feel, great storyline, opens up this multiverse. So I would say those are probably my four four favorite films of all time in this genre. Right on. Yeah. Teddy, what about you? Uh, I'm completely out of my depth here. So let's just <laughs> let's just start. Like my desire to be as nerdy as you guys is there, but it is not there. Uh, and it sucks going second because Aaron just named all my favorite movies of the Let's genre. Go. I'm like, dude, what what else am I going to say here? So um, I agree with him. Like I actually had forgotten about Logan. I was going to say the dark Knight, And then, you know, I was going to say the same thing, but that's, that's what everybody's going to say. I think, I think, I think the majority of people are going to say the dark Knight is one of one of, if not the greatest 
of, of those films. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say Logan was, was amazing. It's critique of violence that, that I thought was happening in mm-hmm. the art was really meaningful to me. And, you know, um, I agree with Aaron too, that like, I would have been torn um, with, and, and would have probably suggested Black Panther as well. Um, the only thing about Black Panther for me is that it just doesn't fit with the Marvel. And, and this is one of the reasons I really love it. It doesn't fit with the rest of the Marvel universe, which becomes obvious when you're watching Endgame because everybody in the, in the Marvel universe is a smart ass. And it isn't until like the Wakandans and Black Panther show up to on the film that you realize, oh, these people are speaking with intention and they're kind of, they're really, they're actual badasses rather than just like smart asses. And so, you know, there's only so much that of smart assery that I, I can take. And so I, I really enjoyed that curveball. And like Aaron said, the, the Kugler version of it or vision for it was was awesome for me. So yeah. uh, I'm in that space. Uh, I also am going to defend this movie, the, the Snyder Cut. So nice. I'm just going to put that out there preemptively. Yeah. Uh, I would say for me... Oh, oh, can I say something? Oh, go for it. Can I say something else? I think the most underrated superhero film is Batman versus Superman. So I'm going to leave that. Oh, my God. Are we... That's how we're starting <laughs> off with hot takes? It's, that's How's that a hot take? I'm sorry. I, I don't want to do that yet. I... I I have I have a legitimate argument against that movie as a build up to Justice League. So I'll let Jeremy go. Oh, I do have a question for you though, Teddy. For both of you, actually, I know this is I know this is part of the conversation too. But uh, I know this isn't a Marvel film or Marvel uh, podcast. What's your favorite Marvel film? Hmm. Maybe Winter uh, Soldier. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best. I think if you take Black Panther aside, I think the best movie in the Marvel universe is Captain America Winter Soldier. Feels like an espionage film. It feels really cool, like the arc of of Bucky. Um, And that's not a spoiler. I mean, we're 10 years past this at this point. But I I just wanted to know. I wanted to know about that. And yes, best Marvel film ever. Sorry, I'm dead. No, no, you're good. You're good. See, this is why I want to be a contrarian. And I, I always... I have made the case for a few years now that my favorite Marvel films are actually the X-Men ones. Even they're not they're not technically MCU. And this really gets into part of my critique about the Marvel films in general. And Teddy kind of hit on it. And you hit it on it as well, Aaron, in terms of just the high bar that uh, a movie like Black Panther actually set for the rest of them is that there, there's an element of sort of cotton candy to the MCU films that I really wrestle with because in the moment I'm engaged, I'm watching, I'm enjoying the beats, you know, I'm riding along with it. But the minute it's over and a half an hour later, a day or two later, I'm like, what did I watch? And, And it's, it's something that I've actually really wrestled with for a long time because I feel like I'm somehow doing it a disservice by being that critical. But there, there's something about a lot of the MCU films that for me just don't have much of a staying power. So for me, uh, yeah, if I were going to pick a favorite one within the MCU, technically, uh, I don't know, maybe like the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, or even, and, and this is where I feel like I'm also a loner on this. I actually really, really like Doctor Strange. 
because of all the films that you have up to that point, I feel like that one offered a return to a sense of awe in the in terms of the character arc and what he actually experienced. That he saw something beyond himself, beyond his skills, beyond you know the talents that he brought to the table. His whole worldview was just like blown open by what he experienced. So for me, um, yeah, it would probably be like either Guardians of the Galaxy or Black Panther or, or a Doctor Strange. Um, I think the Doctor Strange one is so unique. And I, yeah. I, Bubblegum. They're Bubblegum films. They you really know, Adnan who used Adnan Verk, who used to work at ESPN, who's a movie critic, he'd be like, I can't watch any of them because I just chew them up and spit them out. And I was like, yeah. just watch Logan. It's different. And like got him back on the train. But you're yeah. right. They are bubblegum films. I got a question for you about Cap- not Captain Marvel, about Doctor Strange. When's the last time you watched it? Oh, it's probably been at least a few years. I mean, it's 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 been a bit. I'd be curious about your interpretation rewatching it. Yeah. Because the first 45 minutes of that film, I like visually i love it but the first 45 minutes are terrible his character arc is terrible in the beginning well and this is this is my struggle with the mcu stuff in general too um and we will return to justice league here in a second i feel like they all exist in service of the end goal like literally they are in service of the end game and on a technical level what they managed to pull off from a studio standpoint is unparalleled i mean the fact that they were able to execute this vision the way they did is nuts but what you lose in it is oftentimes the voice of some really really great directors like i'm a huge fan of scott derrickson and so when he did dr strange i was like i'm all in like i love his horror films i i mean i even love uh you know he did um the day the earth stood still with keanu reeves and that was like widely panned and i've even heard him talk about how much he dislikes the end result because of the uh, the creative compromises and sacrifices he made just to get it across the finish line. So even with that, <clears throat> you know, I like his stuff. But you're right. And, and ultimately, I think a lot of these films get sacrificed on the altar of it needs to be cohesive so that it leads to this end point. Um, and I just don't feel like there are too many directors that are in the mix that have been able to sort of like hold their own and still have a defining style in the midst of that. It's hard. It's hard. And it, and ironically, bringing it back to DC, that's one of the things that I like about the DC stuff is that as broken and as weird and as disjointed as it is, I feel like you're still getting to some extent a, a director's vision of what they want to do with this, um, which is, I think, bringing this now full circle, what's so astounding about the Zack Snyder cut is we now actually have examples of, okay, here's what Joss Whedon did, you know, putting some sort of hybridized, bastardized version of this together, and then here's what Zack Snyder, you know, given a hell of a lot of extra money <laughs> to finish it up, Here's what he wanted to execute. Um, so, you know, just from sort of a film auteur criticism, I just think it's an interesting look at, you know, what can be done. Um, I'm disappointed right now. I'm disappointed, and I'm only a few episodes in. I'm disappointed that nobody mentioned the Watchmen series on the HBO. That's I didn't. I didn't. Finish that's my really answer. disappointing. 
<laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Um, I'm disappointed that I didn't mention that, but no. I'm not finished. So yeah, keep going. I, I, if it ends as good as it starts, man. That's, Wait, you that's haven't finished epic. it yet? I haven't finished it. Oh, dude. Okay. Watchmen is great. Yeah. Watchmen is cool. great. I, I, I think, you know, there's a whole nother lane to talk about sort of the episodic avenue that's yeah. the comic book genre is going um, between that, what we've seen with WandaVision and Captain America and Winter Soldier and so on. Um, but I will say, you know, to, to ring it to, to, to Snyder too, Snyder's Watchmen is good too. I, it's, I mean, I have my critique of it. My cousin disagrees. Who's a huge nerd um, in a good way. Uh, you know, I've always said that if you don't know anything about Watchmen and you go into Snyder's, I would assume you'd be a little confused, but I've rewatched it. And I sort of, uh, it, my perspective is on that changed a bit, but Watchmen as a series and movie, both very quality. Yeah. All right. I'm well, glad to hear that we're on the same page there. Yeah. Well, and the ultimate cut of Watchmen, see that. And that's the thing too, with Snyder is like, he always, always ends up having these massive long ass cuts. The ultimate cut of Watchmen is crazy. I mean, because you're, you're essentially getting all the live action stuff that he wanted to do and all the animated stuff, and you're getting it integrated together in one full viewing experience. I mean, it's exhausting, but it's so comprehensive that I, I mean, hate it. I can't think of anybody else doing it that way. I hate it. Nobody does. And Teddy, tell me if I'm wrong here, right? You know, a lot of athletes say I never lost a game. I just didn't have enough time on the board. Fine. Cool. That is an <laughs> awesome saying. You still lost the game. Like you got to know how to do this in an hour and a half to two hours. Like sure. I get that your vision is great, but come on. Snyder can't, I, I, we'll talk about this later. I just think that you can't keep doing this. Like that is what well, makes but, other genre that to me, well, you're going to get argued with. You're about so to get I just, I just look, I, nothing against the artistic vision, but there is something to understanding the audience in the game here, right? What's one of the things that we talk about with Marvel in other ways? At least they know how to put a good bubblegum film in an hour and a half to two hour format. Okay, Why but, do I need four hours to experience something and be like, oh, this is kind of cool, but I may never revisit it again. You were just praising WandaVision. Sure, that's episodic. Like these are episodes. Like you're giving me... 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, compacting something that's really well and saying, hey, come back next week. We'll yeah, get you the, again. But the expectation but, is you're going to experience it from start to finish, right? Sure. So would it, would, okay, so would your critique, let's say, of the Ultimate Watchmen cut be different if you were originally presented, uh, if it was originally presented to you via the TV? Uh, yes, and then also if it was presented at the beginning, right? Like, here's another movie. Blade Runner has, like, a director's cut that's, like, oh, a little like longer, different ending. Yeah, and, like, I know the ultimate cut is, like, the best one, but to me, like, okay, fine, different visions, whatever. But I think the thing that I have a problem with with Snyder is if you tell me I got a Snyder cut coming and it's going to be four hours, you know what? I'm going to go to the movies. I'm going to prepare myself, get something to drink, enjoy right. it, whatever. You can't bomb on a movie and then be like, ah, man, it's not really what I wanted. And obviously – that's not like, that's a blanket statement. You know, sure. like there's a lot of nuance that like why this movie came out and why I think respecting the artist fully, fully support Snyder being able to put out his real vision. Sure. Like 100% behind that. You can't get a do over film just because we hated it and nerds were on your side and you got another movie budget. They gave him like a hundred million dollars. Oh, I know. No. And that's, Okay, yeah. I mean, we're we're dancing all around it, so we might as well just dive in. I mean, that to me is one of the 
things that I think long-term we'll have to wrestle. Well, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this because I feel like on the one hand, this is like the best of all possible scenarios in terms of the fans having a sense of entitlement to demand what they wanted in terms of getting the Snyder cut. Um, But I'm also, and so there's a part of me that I'm like, is this a cautionary tale? Is this going to lead to more petulant people, you know, whining and complaining about not getting what they want? Or is it more unique in that there is just a confluence of all these different things happening that led to this point, and it's not going to be something that we see time and time again within these sorts of films. I, I don't know. I don't have an did, answer. But did you did Jeremy just go full boomer on us? He's like these entitled these entitled nerds demanding said- a film. <laughs> listen, man. Listen, I I hear what you're saying, but like literally, I, and I think you're right in a lot of ways, Aaron. But when it comes to the the Snyder cut of this film. I don't care that it's four hours. I, I do I understand what you're talking about, like getting do-overs and things like that. But man, this is what it is. And I like it. I like it. I'd mm-hmm. rather see a four hour film uh, if it's not going to have a major cliffhanger. And this wouldn't. This wouldn't have a major cliffhanger. Actually, any cliffhanger that's in the film is in the the like the vision at the end or the yeah. dream, whatever Bruce Wayne has, you know? Yeah. But there's no cliffhanger. There's no Empire that Strikes Back. Somebody loses their arm and we're like, no, what happens? So it had to be four hours. I actually really enjoyed it. And if this is what art can do, like that can be, and, and it, it's not every film trying to do this, because I do think you're right there. You should be able to do things in a certain amount of time. I'm cool with it. And I'm cool with it in the sense that like what I think is really uh, would be, is going to be a fun topic if we can get to it. We'll, we'll be like talking about how, you can see people do certain things with the same the 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 same kind of ingredients and the kind of art that can be made. But my critique, and this will be my critique of of, of all of Snyder's movies, is whether it's they're two hours or four hours, is I never feel fully emotionally invested in any of his characters, and mm. that's that is like totally my critique of him and my critique of the Marvel series in and of itself is I am never. I am never, I'm, I never have the Luke Skywalker moment where I'm like, he lost his arm and it's his dad. Like, oh my gosh, you know, the, yeah. and I'm pulling from that because even though it's a space Western, it has that kind, it's that kind of like fantasy genre, right? Yeah. And I just, there, it, I'm never emotionally involved. I'm never emotionally involved with, with Thor and his love interest. I'm never emotionally involved with Lois Lane or Clark Kent in any way. I just, it, for whatever reason, I just feel like I can't, like I'm never lamenting in any of his movies. As great as I think Justice League is, that's one of the biggest criticisms I have is I'm never emotionally in, in, invested. Yeah. I think it's pretty spot on. There's a guy named Evan uh, Pushek. He has a YouTube channel called Nerd Rider where he like reviews films. He's really great. And one of the things he did on Snyder a few years ago was it was exactly that. He was like, he always feels like Snyder's searching for like that moment, like the cinematic moment. And in that you lose sort of like this ethos of like, if you're chasing that, you lose sort of the, the, well, why am I invested in this person that would make the moment, right? And like, I think Marvel, it's been unique that they've 
I think they've done that like a few times, right? Like as much as I haven't been emotionally involved, like um, Thor coming down in Avengers Infinity War, right? Like huge moment where it's like, okay, this is the moment. Or even in the end of Infinity War where it's like on your left and everybody comes in, it's like, this is the moment, right? And I feel like, you know, whether they were lucky or whatever, I feel like um, Snyder's always chasing those moments. And in that, I don't, I don't feel anything for anyone. I'm with you 2000%. Let me say this too. I, all of the critiques, the critiques I have of the process and and how we got here, because listen, uh, shout out to Melania Trump, but bullying works, right? Like we know that (laughs) bullying works and nerds bullied WB in the midst of their mess to give us a movie. And I like the movie, you know, for everybody. I know that we're probably 15 minutes in. I got some friends are like, Hey, what did you think? I'm like, "Eh, I'm going to wait to tell you. I liked this. This was a, this was the first time in a DC film really like, fully like Shazam, I think is their best film. Well, Wonder Woman one and then Shazam. Um, but this is the first time that I remember looking at my cousin throughout the film, whether it's in the latter part of the movie or whatever and saying, oh, this is dope. Like, this is badass. Like, okay, okay, I see what y'all doing. Like, keep doing this. So uh, I liked this movie. I'm with you 100% there, Teddy. Yeah, I love that take because it, it was a movie that as soon as it ended, it ended with like, oh, I want more. We're four hours in and I'm fatigued and I'm ready to go to bed tonight. But let me tell you something, whatever was going on in Bruce Wayne's dream, I need that. And there aren't many films that like, that leave me in that space where like, I need to know what happens there or how we got there. I thought that was brilliant. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you in that. Yeah, and my take on his stuff so far is, I would, I would probably agree for the most part about the lack of emotional resonance. But, I mean, there were, there were some moments in this one, I think, I think because of my lowered level maybe of expectations, I just didn't know what to expect. And so, yeah, all cards on the table. I had a blast with this. Like, I thought it was a ton of fun, and it was definitely more uh, compelling than I anticipated. Even being someone that like I'm not a I am not a Zack Snyder fanboy. I I'm probably I guess middle of the road in that I think he's more I think he's more talented of a filmmaker than his detractors give him credit for. But I also don't think that he's, you know, the second coming in the way that like the people that adore him think that he is. Like I, I just think I think he's a He's a talented filmmaker. He does a, a, a solid job telling a story in his own style. And, you know, he's just, because of the different, because his stuff is so stylized, I think that's what's led to him almost in a similar way to like a Christopher Nolan. Like Christopher Nolan's films are so, I'm, I'm not saying they're the same. I'm seeing your reaction. I'm not saying that they're the same type of filmmaker. I'm talking about, the criticisms that they receive to me feel like they come from similar places in that there are a lot of people that I think are down with uh, that are down with Nolan and sort of his aesthetics and the way that he tells things. But then you look at his detractors and they're like, they're cold. He's emotionless. It's always a puzzle. And as soon as I watch it, I haven't figured out there's no reason to return or whatever the case may be. 
I feel the same thing about Snyder in that people are like, how much slow-mo is there? How much, you know, grandiose posturing is there going to be? Like, it's the same, not the same sorts of criticism, but kind of the same vein where they have their own style. They do what they do. And you're either with it for the ride or you're not. This is the Dennis Green moment, though. Like, and I think you've nailed it. Like, they are who we thought they were, right? Like, they are who we thought they were. And that's, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I appreciate exactly what you're saying i was gonna draw uh, a connection there as well like their identity is pretty much established right and i you know and and you know what you're gonna get so if you right. went in expecting much different I, I i just don't know that you're you're you were gonna find it you know yeah i would say that like you know depending on whether or not you like puzzles or you know whatever i, I you know I, nolan is what he is i i like most of what he does it lacks a lot of transcendence because it's just puzzles. But I mean, Snyder is what he is. And I knew I wasn't going to get emotionally invested in gods and humans. That's what I knew I wasn't going to get emotionally invested in. And I still like the film. I'm with you. I like the film a lot. And I like the film a lot considering I thought the first one was garbage. I thought Joss Whedon's version was garbage. Like I, 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 it's, insane how different they are right and i'm sure joss whedon is like this is unfair the criticism is unfair he got four hours and a lot more money and i had to work with like his original vision whatever like i i i can feel that but the fact of the matter is is why you know probably and probably why this film to me i was i i get even more excited about it is because I, I went into this film going, how could somebody make anything interesting out of what I, what I watched a few years ago? Right. That was, it was awful. And I want to like DC. Like we talked about where we came from. Like, I want to like DC. I want to like their movies. That's what I grew up mainly reading in the comic books, though. I did have an affinity for Spider-Man. Uh, I, I was mainly into, you know, the Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Flash, all, all the characters in here were my characters. The cartoon, the Justice League right, from the seventies. Yeah. I grew up like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, I was all about that. So I, you know, I've, I've wanted DC to, to do it. I, I think also there's some interesting things to think about here too. And you know, I won't move too far because you guys may want to comment more. But I definitely think there's some the the difference between DC and Marvel to me in some ways is that most of now this is like most of the characters, most of the Marvel superheroes are humans who have come about about their powers in some abnormal way. Like I was bit by a spider or, you you know, it's like always something that's happened to them, uh, you know, that's made them superheroes with probably some of the exceptions being Thor, Loki, but like for DC, almost everyone is already a God. So, you know, the, the movement from DC for me that's interesting is the movement from God to being vulnerable, which is why I will critique Snyder. Like, you know, I still never felt Superman's vulnerability because I'm not connected to him or Lois Lane's relationship well. And I'm not, I don't believe that he'll ever die. Like, you're never going to convince me that death is a possibility. And in the Marvel universe, at least that, I'm not really in the movies, but in the story arcs, because they're humans who have superpowers, right. death is inevitable, you know, in some ways for them. So, you know, that's that's where I see the trajectory different. Like it's humans becoming gods 
And in some ways for DC, again, Batman was notwithstanding because Batman's rich and that's why he's a God. It's an amazing critique, by the way, there's a lot to go on there. Yeah. And, but I love the dissension of like, these are gods who fall in love with people romantically as cheesy as it is. And all of a sudden they have weaknesses that can be exploited. So I like that. I want to say something real quick before I lose it. I'm not going to go back here, but there are two things. You don't have to feel bad for Josh Whedon because he's a douche. So don't feel bad about him. (laughs) That guy's a douche. Like, you know, to see like his vision of like, you know, he cut, he cuts out the flash. He cuts out, you know, cyborg. cyborg, And we, and we know the, the, the trouble that WB was having with Ray Fisher. Yeah. You know, there were rumors on set that like, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the golden child of DC and Gal Gadot didn't want to work with him. Like there was a scene in the first one where uh, the flash was like running to save her and he trips and like falls on her chest. And like Whedon was like, so adamant about putting this in the movie and Gal Gadot like wouldn't do it. They had to put like a body double in there. Like it's just, you don't have to feel bad for Whedon. So I just want to say that. And the second thing I was going to say is, look, man, for your, your, your audience doesn't know me that well. There are a few things about me that are true. I love the New York Knicks, the Knicks, baby. I love Carmelo Anthony. I love Rihanna. I love bad girl Riri, like two of the things. I need to add a third thing to that list. I am a disciple of Christopher Nolan. I love Christopher Nolan. So everything you guys just said about him, your critiques, false. Falsehoods. I don't want to hear it. They're falsehoods. But I will say what I think him and Snyder, where they are cut from the same cloth, they both like the smell of their own farts. Like, they, it's exactly what you said. They know what they do, and they are going to, like, they don't care that you know. You're going to enjoy it. Like, we're going to give you this tricks, and you're going to eat it. And if you're not going to eat it, Guess what? We don't care because we're still gonna do it. Well, and I need to clarify something real quick. I need I need this on public record. I adore Nolan's films, so I'm a I'm a I'm a big Nolan fan. And what I was saying earlier was not necessarily my personal opinion of his stuff, but more just. I mean, I've been following him since uh, Memento, I guess. So I'm a puzzle. Yeah, a puzzle. I, I'm I'm aware of his critiques as critiques. I actually don't think that they hold a whole lot of water. I think that there's a lot of emotional resonance in his films, but it's served up under layers of other struggles. And so we as an audience are not being uh, force-fed emotion through his films in a way that we're used to from big Hollywood blockbusters. Right. I think he does these sorts of films Almost like Trojan horses, and this is this is how I I truly feel about Nolan right now. Is yeah. I think he does these films that have a lot of emotional weight to them, but they're just not done in the ways that we expect. So, as a, as an example, Inception, like the whole thing that drives him is the desire to get back to his kids. Does he spend the entire film lamenting in every two seconds? looking at a picture of his children and wondering how he's ever going to get back. No, of course not. He's, he's a guy of action. He's trying to execute on that plan so that he can get back. I mean, everything about what he does is driven by a sense of responsibility as a parent and as a father. Jeremy, he's an artist. He's an artist. And it yeah. is his role to make me feel. Like, that's his role. What, am that's I supposed to go in and movies just like... To make you feel, Teddy. Yes, an artist is supposed to make me feel something. And here's the thing. 
I, I agree with you. I, I'm, this is no knock on Nolan. I love Nolan's films. Once, I don't really want to go back and watch them uh. unless I'm like, oh, now I see the little things. There's no transcendence in his films. Once you see the puzzle, it like becomes nostalgic to watch it, but it's not exciting. It, yeah. There's no emotion there. You, you don't refill the emotion because he doesn't draw you in in that way. That's Man. no disrespect. I just have it a completely is, different experience. Oh, well, I, I have such a different experience with his movies. I watched Tenet I, like I love rewatching his year. stuff. Yeah, I love, I love it. Interstellar. Interstellar is fantastic. Anyway, so I just, I had, I mean, I'm with you, uh, Aaron. On Interstellar, the Interstellar is a great example. The, the, the moment that you think you're dealing with something transcendent, something outside of humanity's own control is the, the hand that happens to be the human's hand. Like it's just, and, and I get it. Like I, it's great to watch. I'm not saying that. I, I have a master's of theology, man. I'm interested in transcendence. You do too. And if it's not your gig for the film, that's cool. I'm not saying he stinks. I'm not, there's no disrespect. It's just not there. It's just not there. For you. <laughs> Where's the transcendence? This is not even about his films. We're going to argue about <laughs> Nolan. We need to I take will this. argue for Nolan, but you know. We need to, we'll do this as, a, as another episode. That's, that's okay, what we need let's to do, do it. We and I will argue as a fan that he doesn't have transcendence in his films. That's all. No, all right. As a fan. I'm a fan. I'm with you. I'm not against you. I'm just trying to clear some things up. No, that's fair. All right, so... <laughs> Going back to Justice League, I mean, let's just get into some of the nitty gritty. I mean, we've touched on some of the the you know the behind the scenes, the making of, all that sort of stuff. Just in terms of the film itself, what worked for y'all and what didn't work in terms of the overall experience? I guess it's probably the best way to try to start getting at this. I, I go ahead, Aaron. No, no, go ahead, Teddy. Please, I'm interested in your answer first. Yeah, I mean, I I think what worked and didn't work for the film. <laughs> It's Zack Snyder. Like, I think that, like the lack of emotion was what I already said, but like, or a, a ability to like connect emotionally with the film. But man, a lot of the scenes were done in a really beautiful way. Like I, I've heard people critique the, uh, the scene with the flash and, and the woman who has the car wreck. Does she have a name? See, I'm Iris. not comic. Iris. Iris. Yeah. Iris West, she, I believe. Is, is she significant in the DC yes. story? Okay, yes. cool. That's that's makes that even more meaningful. That I just thought that was a like the the music. I thought that was just a gorgeously shot scene that introduced him and introduced how he was going to play with his speed, which I thought was amazing. Um, so I, you know, if if people are and I didn't I didn't know this before the podcast, but if people are down on Zack Snyder because he does too much slow motion. I, I'm sorry. That that was just a good scene for me. Yeah. I like that. And and I think that his character and I think Aquaman would be the would be like two of the hardest characters to portray because you know the speed with which like speed would be hard to tra like translate onto film where everybody else is moving it at, at a different like a very very slow speed comparatively would be really hard. And I thought he did a great job with that. And but I you know I, I think he does an okay job with Aquaman though I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Aquaman feels like he belongs in the Marvel universe to me he feels so out of place in the film uh, just you know maybe I'm just not a Jason I, I don't connect with Jason Momoa much but like 
Yeah, he feels out of space. But I, I will. I, I think otherwise, man. A, a lot of the ways in which um, he does. Uh, yeah, I, I know you called Joss Whedon the douche. And again, I didn't know all those things. I'm not, I'm out of my depth in my nerdum here. <laughs> so I should stop talking. But I, I, I do think that like he, he at least drew me in. Like I, I found the stories compelling and interesting for each of the heroes he was introducing uh, as opposed to the original. I mean, it just was a whole different level. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I was going to say, I think one of the biggest things that I think works for this is that everyone gets their shine, you know, whether like you agree with it or not. Like there's a reason, like, you know, I think the biggest problem with this was, look, Marvel had 10 years, right? What, four years before they do like regular Avengers and then whatever, like there, there was this build, there was this slow reasoning of like, at least I have a backstory to understand. And it felt like in the first one, a lot of people came in saying, we know you have to do this, but like, what is our attachment here? We haven't been on, on the journey. So I think everyone getting their shine really works. Like you said, and I think all their scenes are so beautifully done. Like the wonder woman scene, shout out to Hans Zimmer. And like, they have like the track down for her. Anytime she comes on, it's like, it's the best. It gets me hype. It's like, run that everywhere. You know, there's, there's no other, there's no other badass in any of the films that I know I've seen other than the Wakandans who have a music. And when they show up, you're like, hell okay. yeah, the here Am- we go. The Amazons here we go. are amazing. Everything having to do with the Amazons in this cut is, yeah. is, is awesome. It's great. And like, they all get their shine. And I think it feels, it feels nice. I was going to say the second biggest thing that I think works <laughs> for this is the cohesion. Like this feels cohesive. Yes. Like this movie feels cohesive. Like yes. getting everybody's bits and then it works and it flows. Um, I think it was important because the first movie, the Justice League felt like uh, the Batman and Superman show and like mm-hmm. everybody follow along and tag along. Yeah. And this felt cohesive. Like, okay, cool. Like there's a reason why I care about Sp- Cyborg or whoever. And I like that in the fourth quarter, like after they strip down Batman, basically, they basically give him his own little scene, right? Yeah. Like he's on the car. They, they had redone it with the graphics and stuff. So I think the cohesiveness and the way it shot was really cool. Snyder really does accomplish that. The two things for me that do don't work in this film are um uh, uh steppenwolf is an idiot like he's an idiot like the dude is just he's a he's an idiot and i get that like he's kind of a dummy who's like fallen out of grace in the comics but he just feels dumb that being said dark side feels like a bigger idiot because here's the thing if you get your ass whooped on like a planet in a galaxy that you need like your number one resource on you're telling me you forgot where that is like Dark side didn't pull up like a week later, like a yeah. month later, a year later. He just <laughs> Steppenwolf, the idiot, the idiot tells Dark side, Hey, I found the planet. Dog, you right. got the biggest ass whooping of your life on this planet. How do you forget where it is? It just doesn't it's work the, for me. It's totally the Mike yeah. Tyson Buster Douglas syndrome. Right. You know, you just got you got knocked out and now you're what would you do? Go fight everybody else? Where, no, where you'd be I? like, Okay, we're gonna get this together and uh go down and <laughs> You know, I was I'm from I, I live in Long Beach, so it'd be like we're about to regulate. You know, like it's <laughs> <laughs> you know we're, that's not gonna happen, man. Man, I was watching it with my cousin. I'm like, okay, Darkseid pulls up on the scene. Let's go, and then he gets a like axe in his like. They don't just jack him up. I mean, they put an axe down his chest. I mean, they basically said, hey, look, we thought it was cute what Marvel did with Thanos. Mm-hmm. We really about to jack Darkseid up, and so when he got like the axe in the neck, I'm like, oh wait, what? 
and then they had to like pull him up you know excuse my language i'm like dog you pulled up and got your ass whooped like a bitch bro what are you doing yeah 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 that's a fair what do you think jeremy <laughs> jeremy jeremy took the big inhale that i know something's coming no, 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 no. I'm in agreement. No, I mean, I think I, I absolutely think that's a fair critique of that, of like where in the world. And I'm not somebody that that really digs for like a lot of plot holes. Like normally I'm like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do, I'm on board. Like as long as you're. My critique and my approach to films these days is very different from when I was younger, where I was like, OK, it's all going to sync up and it's all going to, you know be perfect i think you know i think i've hinted at it before like i'm actually a big fan of a lot of films that people would consider probably like failures or broken or you know imperfect to me there's just something really compelling about that but even with that being said yes the whole idea that he has no idea where the planet is (laughs) he lost track of time like and he you know it's one thing if he's you know less than a massive threat, but you, you can't tell me that he is, you know, uh, this dark Lord, this, you know, this evil empire building character. And yet he still loses track of things like that. And that's, that's definitely on the sillier end of suspension of disbelief. It was cheap. Yeah. You can't get cheap. knocked out. You cannot get knocked out by the RC Cola or great value version of the justice league. It doesn't work right. no. because I have, no. you can't tell me that like, the that the, the JV team beat you and now you're going to pull up with God in Superman and God in Batman and God in Wonder Woman and you're going to win that fight? Eh, I'm not really on your side, bucko. Yeah. I will say this, Aaron, what I loved about what you said is it did feel like everybody had, like contrary to like all, all the other films that I've seen and let me say this, I'll, I'll give a hot take right now. Besides the fact that like, besides the fact that I think Thanos has a lot more depth than dark side. I actually like justice league Snyder cut better than, than in game. I, I do. And I have a lot of things like then in game, man. I mean, I did. I, I like the, I like the cliffhanger. There's things I like about it artistically, but I, I just, I like the heroes better in this. And I like the way they portrayed the heroes better like it just felt less petty you know but i do think that one of the like if there is a a place where i'm like ah okay it, it was in like thanos is just has much more depth as a villain and 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 pretty much the whole genre i mean my, one of my critiques is where the genre fails is when it doesn't have its darth vader when it doesn't have its yeah. like character that is like evil with depth and, and what Thanos presented was like a man with a philosophy rather than like, I'm just a lunatic who's, you know, a psychopath and I'm just everything I do is evil, you know? But yes, agree with you. Steppenwolf was just, I mean, it, he was just an idiot. Uh, and and I thought he looked cool, you know? Like I thought he looked cool. I thought the whole thing was great. I, he just, again, we're, I would love to see them. I would love to see them like connect a little more intelligence and and reasoning like i i thought that's what endgame brought is like you know this whole like hey half the universe there's just not resources are scarce half the people need to die that's just all there is to it which is a predominant theory in our world right now so like you know what i'm saying just in a global pandemic sense it's like hey resources are scarce certain people 
if they die, they Ivan Drago moment. If they die, they die, you know, like whatever. But like, I, I don't, I didn't connect again. I don't, the, the, he wasn't like, a, I, I thought Dark Side, I, he, he tricked me. I thought Dark Side was going to be a badass. And then by the end, I was like, ah, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know if he really is going to be a badass or not. Like, okay. I'll tell you what was badass. I know Jeremy, you're going to give your answer here. The, the, the last scene, and again, spoiler alert, but how Steppenwolf dies, how they're like, you know, double TKO, like punch him, slice his head, and then like knock it right at the foot of Darkseid. And Darkseid's just like looking at him, just chilling. I'm like, oh, okay, this is badass. Like, yeah. I see it now. I see the vision. You yeah. have accomplished your moment, Zack Snyder. Yeah. But, but they don't win. That goes back to your previous point. They don't, they don't win this. They actually don't save the planet and and separate the boxes without everybody's participation right and and like marvel comics it's like you could have everybody and like anybody can do just about anything and you know you could say they need everybody but it you know cyborgs potential with the computers make a certain kind of impossible and it doesn't happen without them right it, it right. wouldn't happen without every character every character minus aquaman I don't think Aquaman got, a, you know, I know he got a lick in, in the end, but because everything was happening on land, it, it you know, it yeah. took away like the essential nature of Aquaman. Yeah. And then when we do go to sea, he gets beat up too. How you get beat up in your own house, dog? Like it just doesn't work for me. Like you have that one thing that you do. Your the half of your name is literally water and you get beat up in it. But that for also real. ties in. I mean, I don't know if this was the intent of the arc from Justice League to an eventual Aquaman movie, but that also then ties in with what happens to him in Aquaman in terms of like being sort of, you know, half half human, half God, not wanting to own who he was as, you know, a, you know, sort of a son of the sea. I'm not saying that it's great to see him get his ass kicked in where he's supposed to be, you know the the you know the prince of the ocean or whatever but still i feel like there's at least a little bit of a through line there where you could make a case that he's not who he's supposed to be quite yet he's not fully formed yet even in justice league and that 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 character arc comes later in aquaman jeremy if i yeah. flew across the country right now walked in your house and smacked you in your face you gotta do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you saying you're wrong. Happen. I'm not saying you're wrong. You can't let that happen. <laughs> hey, look, everybody. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? I, I know something's got to happen, though. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that is yeah. true. You either you either fight now or come back and kill them later. Right. right. You got to do something. <laughs> yeah. You let them leave, and then you like hide somewhere and you kill them. I right know. In the corner. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. I, you know, going back to the climax, you know, the, the climax of the film, one of the things that I love about uh, what Snyder does with this is that sense of, um, yeah, I mean, you guys touched on it, but like Cyborg's abilities and just the, the storyline that he gets in this culminating with what he's able to do in the final battle combined with what Flash does, like flat like i think because i think in the joss whedon cut he is literally running back and forth and getting like villagers and townspeople out which cool you know i i appreciate that but in this i mean he's literally like turning back time with his ability i mean that's just dope i mean when that when that happened i was like 
Oh, cool. Like this. What? Both two of things you... can be true. This is an Aaron statement. Two things can be true at once. This That's is what fine. I learned from Aaron. Right, come on. So this is what I'm gonna say. It was dope. It was really dope. And it was really cool that he he without him turning back time. But here's the other true statement. I'm tired of problems being solved by the turning back of time. It's it's old, it's shtick. Like you if you have to turn back time, like why can't the villains turn back time? I'm tired of the turn back time solution to everything. Like, oh. Here's the dramatic moment. It's over. We lost. Oops. I can turn back time. And I saw this 40 years ago. You know, like I knew we were going to have to do this. Uh, yeah. We had like 30,000 options and here it is. I, okay, cool. I don't want that anymore. It was the best of the, of the, you know, I, that's another critique of the end game I have is the way it used time. I just thought it was, I thought it was, uh, yeah. I thought no, it was I'm, I'm more you. juvenile than, then back to the future like the way they took on time was better more sophisticated right. than the film than this and and dog it flash was awesome let's just let's let's rest in peace like how we solve these That's problems as so we go back can, in time but you're I right. got a hot take i got a hot take for you and let's and go it, it is based off of what you just said but in the opposite direction i oh. think that i think the snyder cut of justice league needs to be the basis and ground print for the DC universe. And I think that it, it needs to be because of what you just said. I think what the DC universe does, I mean, there's a whole storyline around the flashpoint paradox, him using speed to like break time. Like he eventually gets to a place where like he has, he, it like, it, uh, uh, it literally like, um, he philosophically like can't deal with it because they get to a point where he's asked like for a third time, hey, you know, you have to reset like the board. And what I really like about what DC has done in the comics and even some of their animated films is when he resets time, things are never perfect ever. Like the first time he goes to reset time is because he wants to go save his mom. Like the it flashes storyline, his dad is set up for killing his mom. And the first time he does it, he's like, I'm going to go and save my mom. And he goes and does it. And like, all of a sudden Batman's evil. And like all of like the justice league are evil. And he's like, this is not what I hoped for it to be. And I really like how they have left this sort of weird cliffhanger in some sense of you know, in the middle of cyborg trying to activate these boxes. And he realizes like, we we didn't do it like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull this plan off but we did not accomplish what we needed to and i think that was the beauty of the ending of saying cool these guys may have won but like it's still screwed up right and so i think what dc does with time i think they have the potential to do something very much better because marvel it's like i'm gonna go say hi to myself and like get the infinity stones and like you know, the only thing that I thought was good about that was Thanos basically saying, you couldn't live with your failure and it brought you right back to me. Like you didn't fix anything, right? So I think what DC has the potential to do and why it should, this movie should be the basis is because it opens up this space for them to say, look, there are a lot of ways we can go with this. And I don't know if any of them are ever going to turn out right. And I think that was one of the beauty, to me, one of my interpretations of the, of the film at the end, cool, you guys won, but this is still not going to end well. Like apparently if Lois dies, if this is the dream, this still doesn't end well and Darkseid will be back. So I, I'm really interested because the Flashpoint Paradox really does handle time in this weird way of like, cool, go back and reset, but it's never going to be what you think it is. You can throw the, what is it? The, the, the rock in the river sort of theory where throw the rock, it'll create a ripple, but the flow still, still goes. So uh, I hope it doesn't, I, I hope that it, it doesn't, um, 
it, it doesn't turn into this sort of dumb, like, Hey, I went and saw my mom. Uh, and that's the end of it. I think there's real potential there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that too. I would love to see, <clears throat> and this actually ties in with one of the defenses I've mounted year after year. Cause I have, I have a couple of folks in my life, a couple of friends that like, hate like just vehemently hate the dc movies like man of steel came out hated it like didn't want to give it any time of day uh <laughs> teddy you I, teddy but how, how could you turn down that body of henry cavill i but, mean that is i mean right of a man I can get lost well, in those because, eyes forever. Because I've seen Michael B. Jordan since. And let's Touché. Just, let's, That's fair. Let's just put it out there. <laughs> the, 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 term a... man candy, the term man candy was made for Michael B. Jordan. So <laughs> whatever you want to do. Personally, I'm a fan of Ron Perlman, but that has to do with my Hellboy. That's right. Hey, okay, okay. No, uh, but here, here's my thing about, and, and Aaron, bringing it back to what you were saying, because I love that point and I love that argument. My whole defense of the DC, the current run of DC movies, is that uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman aside, the stuff that they were trying, that Zack Snyder was doing with Man of Steel and even with Batman versus Superman, he's playing with these characters that we all know and we have a whole body of work to go back to. So everything that he tried doing differently with Superman and Man of Steel, I was a fan of, even if it maybe didn't work in its entirety because we have four other Christopher Reeve movies and we have multiple iterations in TV shows and Batman. Similarly, we have the dark Knight trilogy. We have uh, the Tim Burton movies. We have, you know, all like these characters are so ingrained in our culture and in our sort of like collective cultural knowledge that I'm a fan of trying something new with them, even if it doesn't fully work. And so Aaron, Aaron to your point, that's what I love I like about what you said about the time, uh, the usage of time and trying to undo things and still things don't turn out the way you hope. I, because I know that they're working on some sort of a flash flashpoint movie. I mean, like one of the rumors floating around, or I don't know if some of this has been confirmed, like, the Flash movie apparently is going to have like two or three different versions of Batman show up. Like Michael Keaton is back as Batman along with Ben Affleck. Like, so there's, there are hints that they're going to be really diving in to, I no, I'm so stoked about this, that they're going to be diving in to those various timelines and the ripple effects. What I hope they commit to similarly to the ways that they committed to, okay, here's our new vision of Superman. Here's our new vision of an older, slightly more grizzled, you know, Batman, whatever. I hope that they commit to their consequences for this. And it's not just a quick, not to use a, a Thanos um, motif, but it's not, you know, you're snapping your fingers and somehow it's magically undone and everything's back to normal. Like I would love for these films to show consequences for uh, sort of meddling, if you will, or playing with these sorts of uh, these levels of powers and this level of manipulation of reality. I think that would just be really, really cool. Um, even if it means you know certain iterations of these characters are dying or disappearing, or you know, just bring some weight to it because I think that's that's the other thing that I get frustrated with a lot of these movies across the board, DC, Marvel, is that the 
the end goal is usually so world changing and so climactic that there are no real emotional stakes. I think that's why I personally love a lot of the X-Men movies is that yes, there are some, you know, big bad guys, but for the most part, the stakes in those films tend to be a lot more human. They tend to be a lot more grounded. And I think that's where nine times out of 10, you get that emotional resonance. That's where, that's why Logan works so powerfully. He is that, dies. Yeah, he it dies. Like and at the there end, are consequences. at the end, it's him standing up for that kid. And then some of the other kids that he comes across, like there are real life stakes to this, not just, oh, there's this glowing doohickey in the sky that we somehow have to manage to defeat and then everything goes back to normal. So anyway. It's a bit Marvel of- had a movie called Captain America Civil War and no one died. Like Iron Iron Patriot falls out of the sky and like Tony Stark's like, I got something for your legs. Like somebody should have died. Right. Like there's no way you guys are running around and like, I get it's a movie, but like you guys just fought out in this airport. Like we got to nuke the space. Somebody, there have to be real consequences here right. rather than Tony and Captain America being petty with one another. So <laughs> I'm with you. You know, there yeah. is, there are no consequences in the Marvel universe, not until they put like an R label on it. And, you know, Deadpool or Logan is out here having a good time. Right. So, yeah, I, I it's one of the things that when Teddy was talking earlier, I think about a lot. There is no consequences in the Marvel film. They're really well done, but it is a you it is a glaring omission to be able to leave this and saying, hey, look, I know nobody's going to die. Right. Like Scarlett right. Johansson, soul for a soul. Zoe Zaldana, guess what? Teddy, you're right. We're just going to go back in time and bring back another version of Gamora, you know? Right. And then Black Widow, now they're toying in like their previews. We're going to give you like her prequel, but we're going to allude to the fact that she may be dead. And is the multiverse going to like open her up? There's just no consequences. I need people to die because you know what? I can die, right? right. Like we can all die. And it, and it helps with the relatability. And it's like, if I have any critique on it like i get it man like superman's an allegory for christ and snyder loves doing his chick-fil-a version of you know telling us how much he loves it with arms wide open yeah like looks at the sun and you know he's (laughs) discovering himself in a chapel with like jesus right over him on the stained glass you know i get it snyder it's christ i get it I get it. Yeah, except right. it's it's like the pop American version of Christianity. Like oh, sure. that's the kind of power that uh, pop culture envisions when we say Christ. And so that's no what question. that's what annoyed me when I was like pointing at myself because you know they can't nobody on the podcast can know who's pointing. I'm like pointing myself at how much <laughs> I hated that movie. It's because of that. And I thought, man, maybe I missed it. I need to like go rewatch it, but I I don't because that imagery as, as people who wrestle in, you know, I don't know who knows about our vocations or, you know, our degrees, you know, Jeremy, I know you and I are into theology and Aaron's on the board of a church and I, I pastor a church. So, you know, like that's, that's the part that like is becomes, I can't, this is a caricature. I can't get engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, which is why, like, you know, the, 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 the boxes resurrecting him has nothing to do with like Christian resurrection. Like there is no, co- there's no correlation between the two kinds of resurrection. No, of course whatsoever. And so, but I think that they try to draw on those themes. So sure. yeah, if we can say, I, I think Aaron's right. Like death is important um, in, in the storyline, whether to create some anxiety, a little bit of like, 
mm-hmm. this could happen. And I think that says a lot about they could restart a universe. So it's not like they have to be dead forever. No, they sure. just are dead from that storyline forever. And it would be nice if they would be like, hey, we believe in what we can do creatively that, you know, if we lose this character, we're going to be able to like do something else, you know? Yeah. But if we're going to, can we quit? Can we quit solving things with time travel? And can we quit resurrecting everybody in every film? It just, there's there's no drama. Like yeah. I just, I, I do want to say I do want to say, all of that said, I would be wildly, wildly idiotic to say, I think Marvel has recognized this a little bit. I know this isn't the Marvel podcast, but like the blip and what they've done with it, like toying with this, like everybody was gone for five years, right. what they're doing with, with it in their, uh, in their shows now, you see, okay, there were real consequences for this. Like, mm. okay, cool. this works. Like I can buy into it a little bit because like, I remember being in the theater and like for a split second when everybody turns to dust, I'm like, dog, you... Like Black Panther just made you a billion. How are you just gonna like get rid of him, right? Like <laughs> there's another Spider-Man coming. But for a second, I was like, okay, like half of y'all are gone. You don't keep it to the OGs. So I would like to see DC do that more. And I hope they do, like, yeah. especially if they're gonna reset the universe, make there be real consequences. Yeah. And I hope that the yes. flashpoint paradox, I hope it does it. Like we know that story, but bring consequences. Somebody needs to die today. <laughs> today <laughs> i knew we were gonna get the today from aaron or tonight tonight uh, somebody needs to die tonight <laughs> uh, let me say death. something else let me say something else that actually didn't work in the film but could if you if interpreted correctly maybe he was doing it. i i'm i don't i don't know enough about Zack snyder to know but the whole running theme of of um of superman's mom uh losing her house is pretty much the dumbest thing in the film. And and I want to give it credit. Listen, man, listen. I think Preach. that there's a I think there's a way to take that and me to interpret it. But I think I'm giving I'm giving Zach way too much credit. I think that like there's a way to interpret it to be like, man, once you're gone in a in a capitalistic society, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not Marxists or socialists or anything like that. I'm just saying we just need to be able to call spade a spade. And everything is um everything's a commodity until it's not useful anymore in a capitalistic society. So once Superman's Mm -hmm. gone, we don't really care about his mother, you know, like I, I, you know, and I know that they played her up as like, she's too proud to ask for help and all that, but it just, there's nobody who's going to let that house sit on the market. It's Superman's mom's house. right? Right. And, and I really hate it. Like, this is what I'm saying. This is why I know, this is why I know for a fact he wasn't critiquing exploitation. This is why, is because the end was who saves the day? The rich man. The rich man comes in and saves, you know, Kal El's like earthly mother. It's, no, I bought the bank. I bought the bank, dog. You know, like I got richer. I bought the NFT before it went off. Like (laughs) I'm just like over it, dude. Like that, I want to give him credit and I want to be like, man, there's something there that he could have done, you know? And that's why I just think in terms of like how, you know, what what is really what is he trying to say about this? I don't know why that's a theme. It didn't work in the movie. I don't know why no. that's going on. Because th- how many people have Superman saved that might be like, hey, his mother's? First of all, that would be on the news. 
We're like, going to start a Everybody GoFundMe. would cover that, right? Everybody, it would be on, it'd be on like everything from like regular network news to like the Daily Mail. It would be everywhere. And it'd be like, man, she's about to lose her house. And you've got to think of all the people that Superman saves, somebody would start a GoFundMe where they would save <laughs> Superman's mom's house. Right. Not Bruce Wayne. It's dumb. It was unrealistic. I absolutely hated that part. And I wanted to think like the whole time, I'm like, man, is he doing something really incredibly clever? No, this is just super idiotic, right? I'll let you see what you want. I have another thing to go off, not even go off on. I have a question for you, but if you sure. have anything to say, go ahead. That was funny. Hated it. Hated Here's the thing. It. it doesn't it doesn't work because again, no spoilers. This isn't a Marvel podcast, but Captain America, I'm sorry, uh Falcon and Winter Soldier, like Falcon comes back because he's been gone for five years and his sister's losing a house. And he's like, you know, they're trying to toy with this, like he can't get a loan because he's black. And I'm like, okay, cool. But this doesn't make sense because Tony Stark is your best friend. Like that dude died and would have set you guys up fine like right. there shouldn't be a conversation about oh, well where's the money you cannot tell me that Zack snyder in my opinion the greatest failure or the greatest stupid cliche of batman versus superman is this moment where like martha that's my name that's my mom's name too you're telling me that batman whose mom's name is martha and this other martha and the fact that like there's this deep connection there the moment she's gone you're telling me bruce wayne didn't show up and was like yo martha because of my own childhood trauma because you know superman's my friend i'm gonna pay for this whether you are proud or not it doesn't work for me where's the connection because yeah. back up back up aaron why doesn't he go apologize like your son died because i was being an idiot yeah like, and, and who who doesn't apologize to somebody's parents bruce should have gotten punched in the face one or two moments <laughs> a you got my son killed and then b if i'm clark and i see my mom my mom my mom is out here starving and you're supposed to be my yeah. people. You a yeah. billionaire. Yeah. Like, listen, yeah. if my mom, listen, I, I was supposed to get married in June. My parents are separated. One of my best friends who I've known since second grade said, I will walk your mom down the idol. I mean, down the aisle. And my mom was like, I wouldn't have anyone else do it. That's yeah. how you know you got people, right? If I died, I know that there'd be people around that would at least check on my yeah. mom. If I'm Kal-El and I show up and I see my mom is broke as hell and I got this rich ass friend who didn't take care of any of it, I gotta take it, I gotta take it to your throat. And I'm gonna <laughs> say this, you know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, I'm not a Marxist. I might be, you know, a socialist. This is why no good billionaires. What were you doing, Bruce? Yeah. Why were you hoarding the wealth? You could have yep. taken care of her. <laughs> Right. You're right. Two things can be true at once. You can kiss Lo Lois Lane and punch Bruce Wayne in the face at the same time. If you can, if you can fight all those superheroes and trip Flash at the same time, you can kiss her and love her and punch Bruce and be like, man, we're done. We're done with you, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Bezos, we're done. We don't need you. Yeah. You're not a god. Anyway, no. you're just rich. But that's how I know he wasn't critiquing wealth or critiquing yeah, right. exploitation is because is and that's the the batman universe could gosh that so would actually be fascinating right if somebody actually fascinating i mean and i'm they not, tried a, to I'm do not a little up bit. on the current comics but if somebody did a storyline that actually really critiqued from today's perspective and some of this more some of the more uh this awareness of yeah the misuse of wealth the misappropriation of wealth all of that i mean it'd be amazing yeah, but the Joker started to get at that. The right. jo like Joker, Joker mm. definitely, yeah. which is very underrated. I have it some works. complaints about that. We're not going to go there, but oh, it, the th hey. uh, the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. It did. Yeah, and uh. and also also, I look. 
I, I love them in Good Will Hunting, but Bruce Aff, I mean, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne should get punched in the face. I don't like him anyway. So, like, let's punch him in the face. In I the liked him. Time. I, 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 actually, I didn't mind well, he, him. Listen, the, the, uh, He's average. the scene, the warehouse scene in Batman vs. Superman is one of the coolest Batman scenes in, like, Agreed. the last 15 years. It comes, 100%. I mean, it looks like it's, it looks like it comes straight out of, uh, you know, the Arkham series on, on yeah. Xbox. Like, yes. it's cool, it works, but it doesn't, the problem with Bruce is, to me, the storyline didn't match up because originally it felt like it was supposed to be, um, what is it? Not, not. Uh, it's supposed to be the Batman series uh, from the legendary writer where he goes to kill Superman. I forgot the name of it. Oh, uh, the Dark Knight uh, Returns. Yeah, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, uh, Frank so Miller? Like, yeah, the yeah. Frank Miller comic where like, yeah. you know, Bruce is old and they kind of went down that storyline a little bit in Justice bit. League. And then it's like, okay, I get it, but it doesn't really work in this movie because this old dude is hanging out with all these like, young bucks and it right. just the last critique i want to say too about friends because friends how many of us have them wonder woman how far does your feminism stretch you were there with clark there with bruce you're telling me that this woman you come from an island of amazonians you just like wander off and just nah, bye. like where were you yeah. not good friends my only critique <laughs> yeah i i'm glad you brought that up because i do think that not the super friends work which is what i grew up watching me too i grew up watching that um i think ben affleck did work better in batman versus superman i just don't think he's compelling as a character really in this at all and and the only reason that he gets a pass for me now that you brought that up and i'm thinking about it is like because he doesn't he's not compelling as like we need to get everybody together he doesn't really seem afraid of what's coming, like emotionally. And I get he's supposed to be cold and whatever. And I, I won't even go too far into it. I'll just say it isn't till the last 20 minutes that you're, or 15 minutes that you're like, oh, Batman's compelling. Because before that, he just isn't. He just isn't. He's not as a leader when he gets like acquires the hall. And this is where we're going to sit, all six of us. And first of all, it's 2021. Who's doing board meetings? You know, we're all going to sit at this table in the middle. Like, just get rid of the get rid of that idea. It's we're gods. What are we doing? Go to the satellite. You can't afford board meetings. <laughs> you can't afford board meetings. Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong here. If it's gotten to the point that Steppenwolf now has built this like whole factory and, you know, whatever version of Europe we want to look at now, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, and I, this is a critique about Martian Manhunter too. It should have never gotten here. Where is the planning? Like yeah. this dude is building a whole factory. And I see every time I saw Bruce and Cyborg and all them like meeting on the plane or meet whatever, I'm like, you don't have time for this. We are at level 100 right, right. now. Something is coming. We got to like, get shit why done. Are we dancing? Yeah. 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 I agree with you. Mm. Can, can we, can I ask you this? How, what's your feeling? So, because this film's so hard to talk about without talking about other um, superhero films and specifically like DC versus Marvel. Uh, I still feel like DC is way more younger. Like they just don't have the volume um, uh, of, of Marvel. Marvel's just put out. And that's one thing you mentioned, Jeremy, it's just astounding the amount of material that they've pulled off and the kinds of characters they've been able to pull off. But are you more excited about the future of Marvel after, uh, you know, 
at this point or after Endgame, or are you more excited about the future of DC? Hmm. Man, I I don't know how to answer that. If only he, here's what I here's what I want more of, and this this kind of gets into get, brings it back to our initial discussion of like our favorite superhero films. Like my favorite superhero films are things like Logan, even the Deadpool movies. I, you know, I mentioned X, the X, some of the X Men movies. Um, I love like my all time favorite superhero or you know graphic novel character is Hellboy. I love the Hellboy movies. So what I'm personally looking for in movies like this, especially because we have so many of them now is I'm looking for a weirder, more unique take on things. And so, I, you know, for instance, like the next Doctor Strange movie is supposed to be like Doctor Strange and the uh, Multiverse of Madness or something like that. Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, please let it be weird. Like I want weirdness. I want to stretch the boundaries of what these can be. I just like you, I, I feel like the superhero genre in general is at risk of playing it safe now that it has become established. Like it's, they've, they've proven even, even the less successful DC movies still make a ton of money. Maybe not as much as a Marvel film, but it's still you're to a certain extent they're, they're, you're you're printing a certain amount of box office money just by making one of these. I want them to whether it's DC, whether it's Marvel, whether it's a dark horse adaptation, whatever, I just want to see more weird stuff. I want to see more unique storytelling. I want more unique perspectives from people. Like that was the one thing like we haven't even touched on this yet, and not that we we have time to spend on this because I, I guess we probably need to start wrapping it up, but like that's what I loved even about the Harley Quinn movie that came out, Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Female director, largely female cast, and it was just, in my opinion, a ton of fun. It was a completely different vibe, totally different feeling than most of any of the other uh, DC movies, except maybe Shazam, just in terms of like both of them were just having fun with the right. world that they were creating. That's what I want to see more of. I want to see more of that where, um, and I think uh, Into the Spider-Verse is a good example of that. Like just, man, embrace embrace uh, the storytelling forms and do something weird with it. I, it's, it's why I still have a certain amount of respect even for Ang Lee's Hulk. Like it's not a great movie per se, but even back then, he was like, okay, how do we do scene transitions so it looks like it's a comic book page flipping? Like, even something as basic as that, I respect because it's like, cool, you're trying something and you're swinging for the fences and you got Nick Nolte and roided, hulked out poodles that are attacking people in the trees. Like, I'm there for it. It's bizarre. It's weird. Does it make a whole lot of sense? Maybe not, but you're committing to a vision that feels different than anything we've seen before. So that's, I don't know that I really answered your question, but that that's, you know, whoever goes in that direction, I'm going to be there for that. 
Damn. I'm 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 gonna let you talk here, Aaron. I want Damn. to hear your answer, but that was such a fantastic answer. <laughs> I mean, it is true. I just and I don't I think that that when we come back to so when we're talking about like Nolan and Snyder and they are who we thought they were, these guys aren't gonna take chances. They are who we thought they were. Yeah, they're gonna have to take chances on like directors that nobody's heard of. Yes, it's the only way forward if it's gonna keep my interest it'll always have something you're right it'll always print money right. but as i get older right like my kids will get into it and and when they don't care about story or meaning or anything like that it, you know they'll love the bubblegum films but of course they if it's gonna as the world's matured the consciousness of the world has matured in the last five or six years and and i will say that it looks like when you go through the marvel comics they're maturing in some ways as well um, but it's it's got a long way to go to catch up with the world. And if not, I, I really do think these will be looked at as like that they, you know, I think I think largely people will become disinterested in them. Right. I want to say, wow, I'm on a movie podcast. That was such an elegant answer, Jeremy. That was right? amazing. I was like, dang, <laughs> feeling things. I'm on a movie that's, podcast. That's why I ride Robin with my man here. <laughs> that was that was I'm in a sidecar. That was spicy right there. I think it's really interesting what you said. And I think you're really spot on, Jeremy. I am more interested in Marvel. And I'll tell you why. I think DC has, I think the greatest thing that, in my opinion, they can do is embrace what you're not. You're not Marvel. So don't try to be it. I don't need to see, I don't need to see Ezra. You don't need to give Ezra Miller uh, uh, or whatever from Flash. You don't need to give him all these comedic lines that don't hit, like, don't have Jason Momoa like drop these punchlines, you know, like you have figured out what you're good at in some ways and you know what you're not. So stay there. To me, what I think is so interesting about what Marvel has done, especially Kevin Feige, right? It, you know, who's leading the studios there is the development uh, of, or I should say the development of their character distinctly after Black Panther. I think you see the Marvel universe in a completely, I think you see a shift in how it operates outside of two movies, in my opinion, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and the first Guardians of the Galaxy, which really sort of show to me the rest of the directors or movies, whatever, that you can be something else besides this sort of bubblegum film, whether it's an espionage film or this cultural film or whatever, right? Like, I think it has shown that there's a range that can be extended. And what I'm really interested in is, it felt like there would be a fatigue at this point in the universe. We're 15 years in legitimately of like good comic book films. And I wonder if you can treat all of these like their own sort of James Bond sort of collections, right? We're like, all right, we're going to have Iron Man. We kill him off. And now we're going to hand it off to someone else. Like, I'm really curious to see how they play with that with the comics, whether it's Riri Williams or whoever. The other thing that I think DC should do and why I think Marvel has an upper hand is what they've done with their integration of Disney plus WandaVision uh, Falcon winter soldier, their shows have been so good and so good in building these storylines that I was very skeptical going in. And I'm like, man, these are going to be just little things that appease me until I get the next movie. And what they've done is insert all these storylines that by the time you get to the next big film, that isn't black widow. In my opinion, you're going to say, Something happened. Something happened in these shows. There's a hint here that I missed that I need to watch. And I think the cohesiveness and how they keep people engaged, they know the product they have. They're good drug dealers. They keep, a, they keep sprinkling a little bit here and there. So I'm really interested because 
it seems like they are taking chances now. I'm, I have a lot of critiques about Falcon and Winter Soldier for another day, but I just listened to an old black man tell uh, a Falcon who comes to him and says, you know, hey, like, help me out here. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? You know, they're wrestling with this tension of why didn't Sam Wilson pick up the shield? And this old black man says to him, he said, you came in here with that white man's shield. That's why you're here. Why don't you pledge allegiance to that? So let me tell you something. They will never let a black man be Captain America. And even if they did, no self-respecting black man would do so. Shit. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm the only black one in here. That hits a little different. Good writing. There's a lot of critiques I have with the show itself and how it doesn't handle the nuance of race well. But that's a chance. Like, how do you take a chance? Like, I couldn't imagine at the beginning of the, of the Marvel universe to see some black man tell another black man, listen, you fool, like you don't get it. I've done this longer, harder. Uh, you know, I've experienced this in a way that doesn't make me jaded, but like the, the, to be able to tackle the complexity of some conversations, whether they fail or miss, the fact that they've gone for it in an authentic way, I think is something that is going to be really, really interesting moving forward with the Marvel universe and not just around culture, but what Jeremy said in its weirdness, you know, James Gunn has allowed them to be weird. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy is weird, right? So I think that they have more leeway, obviously with time to take more chances, uh, but I'm excited for what they're doing because of their Disney plus integration, especially. I know it's a long winded answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was I great, love man. It. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love both of your guys' answers. How would you? I, I mean, I, what, what would your answer be, Teddy? I mean, I know it was your question. I mean, what, what what do you feel about it? Man, listen, the crescendo for the podcast just happened with you and Aaron. Like, I really, like, <laughs> seriously, I that was amazing. I because I haven't seen Wandavision, I haven't seen um, is it Falcon Winter Soldier? I haven't yeah. seen that. Um, I'm intrigued by the way you're talking about it about how it's going to keep the storyline going so they don't have to tell as much backstory when you come to the movie. And there's going to be nuances that you'll need to know. I actually like the complexity of that. And I think that that's brilliant. Mm. Um, but I, I definitely, I definitely left the, the Zack Snyder cut more excited about the next big, mm. like um, what do you call it? Team film. The, basically the Miami Heat films where they just all the all the best players get together right um like they come from everywhere uh I'm I'm excited about that because I left I, I don't I admittedly don't know a lot about the universe from when the the DC universe from when I was a boy so I was confused about who some of the characters are why this woman's lamenting the death of Alfred and I don't know who's good and who's bad. And like, I like that. I like that there's complexities in that and that good guys aren't always good. So, you know, until Aaron mentioned all the, the brilliance of what Marvel's doing to like, and, and because of the accessibility with Disney, right? Uh, I was going to say, I will describe my feelings about the Marvel universe outside of Wakanda like as fat Thor. That's about how, like, that's about how excited I am. <laughs> but I will say, man, I, I, there's some movies I missed. So like I said, my nerdum is not there. I'm about to catch up on everything. I want to see the Harley Quinn films and there's, there's a lot. 
Um, cause I, I really don't even know about, um, what's his face. What, what's the guy who plays the Joker right now? Jared Leto. Like, I don't know about him. So it was just interesting seeing him, uh, at the end of the Zack Snyder cut and being like, man, what is, what is happening? And I like that. That's like a feeling I don't have much in the, in any of the superhero genres. Like what is happening? I don't know what's happening. So that makes me really excited about where DC's headed. Um, but it, I don't, I don't know if Snyder's going to be the one who like carries it there. I don't, I don't know if that's the best decision for them, but yeah. that might be a podcast for another day. Yeah. I got a, I got a hot take on Snyder and, and, you know, I gave a hot take earlier on this film. Look to me, Snyder is what he is. You know, we don't have to go down his resume I, to me. I'm a Snyder hater. I just want to put that out there for the people. I think he's a one trick pony. It's cool, whatever. But to me, after watching this film, uh, the first thing I said was like, okay, cool. Like, and Look, he's a master class. He, he he was given this budget for a reason. Let me say that. This is almost like when we critique NBA players and it's like, bro, <laughs> even the worst guy would mollywop you at like your local YMCA. So I just want to get that out there. But to me, it felt like, uh, okay, like he's earned his right to make another film. Like, it's cool. Like, I feel like he gets thrown all this money and I'm like, why? Like, why? Why? But I'm excited about uh, Army of the Dead or whatever that's coming on Netflix. And mm -hmm. to me, it was dis I I was disappointed after uh the movie when they were like, Yeah, Justice League 2 isn't coming because I left like Teddy, like watching Steppenwolf get his head cut off in like an R-rated version, wasn't expecting it. I'm like, what is what is happening? Like, you know, they bring everybody at the end and they reshoot it and they bring in Mira and, you know, they bring in Slade and, you know, then the Joker's there, you know, we live in a society. Like <laughs> even his conversation with Ben Affleck, while I think Jared Leto, Leto has been terrible, I, even the conversation between him and Bruce at the end, I'm like, dude, Ben Affleck, keep up. Like Leto's actually like, he's really in this, you know? And at the end of it, I'm like, Okay, this was a thing. This was a thing. I'm ready for the next thing. Listen, I, we may have to cut this. I don't believe in hell. If I did, it'd be a cold day right now because I'm excited about a DC film. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I saw Teddy's face there. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in hell either. So, like, let's, well, I believe in hell. I just don't believe sure. it's like, a, Not you know, in its right. traditional right. form. But right. I just, yeah, no way. like, it's, I think it's, we're all on the same page there. I, I, I left excited about what could be done next. Right. And that's not a feeling I've had because to me, it feels like the, this is how I know DC films aren't great because the first statement is always, well, it's not really as good as whatever. And this was the first film that I didn't have to, I didn't think about infinity war. I didn't think about mm. Endgame. I didn't think about anything Marvel in this film. I enjoyed it. And at the end of it was like, that was a cool ride. I don't know if yeah. I'll take the full four hour journey again, but I, I may watch like significant chunks for the second half of the film and enjoy it. And that's something that I, I, I have never felt in a DC film, not once. Did you just say they're not making a sec another Justice League? They're not making no. a Justice League 2. From the news that I saw, it would be foolish at this point if you don't give Snyder at least another shot to be able to sort of lead the chariot. Like, even if he's not a direct producer on everything, right. I mean, they brought in Nolan, they brought in all these people. So I was disappointed when I heard that news afterwards because I'm like, you just got, you guys just won. Like, you just won. You gave it to the nerds. The nerds are happy. Keep giving the nerds what they want. Yeah. So it was disappointing because I got to the end of it, like you said, Teddy, and felt something that I've never felt in a DC film. What is going on? This is dope. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's talked in, uh, I mean, he's on record, I think, 
in recent interviews basically saying like I had a whole vision mapped out like it was going to go from here to the next thing like the nightmare sequence or whatever like that was going to be kind of the setting for the next one and them trying to figure out oh we we made a mistake kind of the idea of what we talked about earlier there are consequences for resetting things and one of the consequences was this you know nightmare landscape that leads to Joker uh, is it Death Wish or Slade? Deathstroke. Uh, Deathstroke, yeah. thank you. Uh, basically, the team-up that you see in the dream sequence, that was going to come to fruition. I think like part of what leads to that and the reason why Superman is with Darkseid in that is that Lois is dead. Yeah. And so like, there was a whole vision for it, but Snyder has basically said like, me doing the dream sequence was just an, the opportunity to kind of tease that, he said, because I'm never going to get the opportunity to actually make that film or make the next ones. I don't know if there's any way that that would shift now with the response to it, but at least in the way that he presented it, he's like, I got a chance to do this. This was my ending. It was to tease and let people know hey, there was a bigger vision, but that's not happening anymore. So Wow. And yeah. Jeremy, you critique the nerds who made this happen. Nerds! Nerds unite! <laughs> you nerds! Come together. We want works. We want to see this. Um, yeah, I didn't I'm glad you mentioned that you didn't like, you know, uh, Jared Leto's Joker. I, I need to go through that, but he, he reminds me a lot of uh, the Joker meets like Gary Oldman from True Romance or James Franco from mm. Spring Breakers. Yeah. Like that's the, the, who the Joker is. Yeah. It, it felt a little weird. But yeah, I'm glad you said that, man. This yeah. is uh, this has been fun, man. Yeah. It's been really great. Let Snyder have his time. chance. I can't believe I'm defending him. Let Snyder have his chance. This was a fun movie. And it doesn't have to all be canon. Like, you know, you can have Robert Pattinson coming 2022 or whatever. Have his Batman be Batman, which I think is going to be dope. And then keep this storyline. Like, it doesn't it doesn't all have to be in the same universe. Right. Or do what uh, Disney's about to do. Open up the multiverse through Flashpoint Paradox. And it just gives you more room. It gives you more room to do whatever you want. Yeah. Let Listen, again... You know, I don't defend a lot of people, especially not this man. Let Snyder have his chance. I am happy that as an artist, through everything that he's gone through, that he got to uh, everything his family's gone through, his yeah. wife, who is a huge part of uh, his films. I I'm happy that he got to finish his creation uh, in the way that he envisioned. Whether that vision changed or not, it's kind of irrelevant, man. If, if HBO and Warner Brothers uh, is going to give you $100 million to make, you know, another version of the movie, do it. Um and the last thing I'll say, this, again, I think shows us one of the things about DC. Warner Brothers, uh, their leadership's incompetent, Jeremy. Like, you can't have a full-on beef. You can't defend Josh Whedon and, like, have a full-on beef with your one black character. And then Zack Snyder comes in and is like, guess what? I'm going to give the black character a whole storyline. Like, it just doesn't look good no. when you look at it compared to what Josh Whedon did when it's like, hey, say a punchline, say booyah. Like, it just, just like, do a little just shuck and jive it. and, like, have fun. And then Snyder comes and is like, you know what? Guess what? Flash, you get a backstory. You get a backstory. Ray Fisher, you've been defending me the last year. You're going to get a backstory. It just, yeah. the, the, the leadership is incompetent. So when I hear 100%. Zack Snyder won't be back, I'm like, okay, makes sense. Kevin Feige would never make that mistake, but cool. Yeah. No, I think I think it just speaks to the overarching 
uh, or overarching lack of lack of a cohesive vision one way or another. And and to your point, what something you said earlier, Aaron, like you're not Marvel. Stop trying to be Marvel. Take advantage of the fact that these are your weaknesses. Steer into them and turn them into your strengths. Do a bunch of different like. Like that that's in some ways one of the things that I respect the most even about the Joker movie. There's a lot that can be said about that, a ton that could be critiqued about it. But they just went ahead and did it. Like it's a one off version of this interpretation of Joker. Cool. You committed to it, you committed to the vision. Uh do more of that maybe. Maybe that maybe that's the way DC kind of steers away from trying to be a Marvel is they're like, hey, you guys know all of our characters. You're familiar with, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, the kind of the big ones, the Justice League ones. We're going to give you different iterations and we're just going to play and have fun with them and do variations on these themes. I heart hey, nerd and- culture is full of contrarians. WB, you have your audience. They're going to be with you because they hate Marvel. Like, yeah, just be not Marvel. It's not that hard. <laughs> Um, I, I will say where our podcast is falling short, as we didn't hear Aaron one time say, are you on crack? Like we were close. Picks. <laughs> I was close. I was close twice. You know, this the Nolan conversation. I was a little close. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I, I'll go to bat for Nolan another day. I was close. But uh, no, this. you know what? I, what I've really enjoyed about this is, wow, I feel so honored to be a guest on a real movie podcast. Nobody asked me my opinion on movies. They always ask me about race and stupid stuff. You know what I mean? Why can't I just have <laughs> Hey, but I will say this. I will say this. This is why you're going to lose credibility on this podcast. Yes. Is how does somebody who gets on there and says, BX, BK, all yes. day, New York, baby, and then defend a a, a Southie from Boston playing Batman in I Gotham know. City. Get out of here, man. You ain't real. You're, you're, a, fake. you're a fake. You're a fake. Hey, shout out to Ben Affleck as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh man, this has been a blast, guys. Dude, Seriously. Thank you. This has been so much fun. This has yeah. been great. This has been great. I'm really, I was really uh, humbled and honored to be here, man. Thanks for this time. This was a fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I speak for all of us to say thanks for checking out Projector Darkly, and we'll see you next time.